0: And then what are you going to do with it when it comes? What are you going to do when fear comes to the door? Are you going to open the door and let it in and let it start dominating the, the inside of your home, inside of your mind? Or are you going to let that fear come to the door and be like, ah, not today? You know what I'm saying? I know that you're here, but I'm still going to do what I got to do.
1: y'all I am back with another segment and I'm happy to say I have my first healthcare professional um, on here Um, and and we're going to cover multiple things in this episode because Dr. Brad Ballard is he has a heart and a passion for peak performance uh, a heart and a passion for business he is a UTSA alumni go Runner, and um, (laughs) you know, and a physician, you know, which is, makes them super smart in a whole another, you know, stratosphere. But, but um, I want to start doing more stuff around health because, you know, again, um, I'm a super hard driving person. Uh, I work a lot and unapologetically, but I also spend a lot of time with family. And there's no way that this motor can keep going if I don't take care uh, of my health. And so this is going to be like a really good interview for me to learn a lot from you, uh, Brad. So I appreciate you.
0: Of course, man. Of course, uh, Philip. I appreciate you having me on, man. Um, I wouldn't call myself smart; more as I am hardworking. Hopefully, people will be able to figure that out today. <laughs> you ain't got to be smart to do uh, to do some big things, but I think if you if you got some hard work and some passion and some hustle, some things can happen, man. So I appreciate you having me again. Yes, go Roadrunners. So. I'm excited to be here, man, and and hopefully provide some value that'll keep some people listening, man.
1: Definitely, definitely. So let us let's, let's start from the beginning. Where, where where are you from? Man,
0: I'm from H Town. So um, you know, I'm not sure where most of your listeners are from, but obviously you and I are here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Mm-hmm. So I, I tell people don't hold that against me being from Houston. But uh yeah, I grew up um in an area, you know, we all hear about the different wards, and if you know some some old school rap, hip hop music. You may have heard of like, you know, the Fifth Ward, you know, Ghetto Boys, stuff like that. So I grew up about 10 minutes away from Fifth Ward. Um, And it's one of those things where I was talking to somebody recently, you don't realize how bad things are until you get out and you start seeing, (laughs) you know, compare yourself to other people. I didn't realize, you know, I didn't think I grew up in the hood when I was growing up, but it wasn't until I really started to get to high school and college, I was like, I, I guess that 's the hood based on what my friends are saying so uh, so that 's where I grew up, man, you know, relatively humble beginnings, but i you know the, through the grace of God, man, I had two parents who who, despite everything that was going on around us, you know most of my friends when I was growing up man i mean they made poor decisions, unfortunately, so it was a lot of drugs and and um and jail time that that my friends saw, but you know me and my two older brothers never never really experienced much of that at all. Uh, and I think it was because of what we experienced at home, so I was grateful for that.
1: I Man, that's that's a blessing. I I know you were from Fifth Ward. I, you know, I went to church on Homestead. Really? You know, yeah, we we, yeah. we lived in, we lived in the southwest part, but my uncle had a church on Homestead, so we would go to Fifth Ward every Sunday. And, yeah. and, and like you, I take I take my wife back now to different parts of Houston, and she'd be like, "It's rough." And I was like, I "Mean yeah," but you know, looking back, I didn't you know, and and we ended up evolving to a better neighborhood, but it still was. Lower middle class, and uh, and I thought we, I thought we came up, and I go back now, and I'm like, oh man, I guess I didn't have a clue.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, uh, again, it, it was just what we knew. You know, it wasn't um, for, for me. It wasn't good. It wasn't. It was just what I knew. But it, it's not until you're able to kind of you know compare and have <clears throat> something else to relate to that you can look back and be like wow that was uh that was a more difficult situation than I just you know than I, than I really thought when I was growing up but again thankful and grateful all the same
1: and and, and i'm a before we go through evolution i'm gonna sit on something for a second that you made me think about that i that i that I wonder right because you know like you a lot of folks that I grew up with um you know like we buried both of my cousins both of my cousins you know within a year you yeah. know what i'm saying they they were like brothers you know um just got caught up in the streets, you know what I'm saying? And I got other homies who, I mean, a lot of them just aren't doing anything, you know, with, with, with their life. Um, and these are, uh, and, but we grew, you know, we grew up in this same environment, you know what I'm saying? Um, hung out together and, and I'm always thinking, I'm always like, Hey man, like, uh, what was the variable? Right. And I think, I think part of the variable. Yeah. I had, I had good parents. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, but then so did some other guys that I know. And so I'm always thinking like, what is the variable to, to, to have guys like you and I um, evolve and achieve? Cause I'm, I'm sure you're like me. I don't feel like I was any smarter, or any better than them. I just, for some reason I, I feel lucky and blessed. I'm like, man, I just was blessed. I don't, you know,
0: man, you know, so yes, I have definitely thought about that. As a matter of fact, you know, even when it comes just between me and my two brothers, because we're all we're all different. But if I look at, you know, if we just talk about, you know, some of the getting in trouble kind of stuff. Um, you know, I I look and I say, I think it was my parents, my parents were definitely more strict than than most. Obviously, back at the time I was complaining, I was like, I remember telling my brother, man, I swear we're the worst kids here, but we're like the best kids. Like, why are we giving us a hard time? But I get it now that we've got kids, right, Philip? I mean, it's like, you know, so, so I'm, I'm grateful for, for the discipline that I, I had when I was younger. So I think that that was one thing, uh, me in particular, man, you know, my, my, my oldest brother, so I'm the youngest of three. And my oldest brother had a greater influence on me than I probably realized my, My oldest brother is 12 years older than me. And so Mm. when he had experienced a lot more than I had. So when he was, you know, going to college, I was, you know, six, seven. (laughs) And he would, you know, he started being an entrepreneur at an early age. So he started reading books like Think and Grow Rich. And he would pour this stuff onto me. My parents didn't know that stuff, Philip. I mean, they didn't read it. You know, I mean, they just wanted us to be better than what they were and they didn't, you know, they barely finished high school. And so my brother would teach these principles to me. And I remember my brother was like a second father. I was just in awe of him because he was so much older than me and and, and he was, you know, successful in my eyes. And, um, you know, he would would impart this knowledge on me and these empowering words because I was like, how did I become so motivated when no one else really in my family is motivated like this? And um, he started. He really does. And even to this day, man, I thank him because um, it were those little things. And I would walk into his room and he'd have all these, you know, affirmations and affirmative, you know, comments on his wall, like, I can do it, you know, scriptures. And, and um, you know, my parents didn't teach me that. but if I would have known the significance of what those principles that he was teaching me would have on me today, mm-hmm. then um, I would have probably li- listened even more. <laughs> and um, so, you know, that's one thing to say. I mean, you know, if, if you learn learning something, I think it behooves us, no matter whether you think you've mastered it or not, when you start teaching other people some of the, the valuable things that you've learned to others, one, it solidifies that teaching in your mind when you teach it. And then two, it, helps the person more than you probably realize particularly Mm -hmm. the younger generation man but any anything that i'm teaching anyone i'm hoping will help them even if it may not be the aha moment now but i also know it solidifies me knowing that information
1: as well it's a seed planet right yeah yeah Yeah. and and you kind of hit on what i thought I've, i've always thought i've always thought there's definitely some nature but then, there's a, but then you also have to meet the nature with the exposure, you know, like, you know, and so nah, it's, it's, I'm all, I always ask folks uh, that question, but not to, not to interrupt. So what got you into med school? When did you decide you wanted to go to med school and become a physician?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, I currently practice, I've got a, a non-operative sports medicine practice here in the Dallas-Fort Worth and Texas sports medicine. I have mean, been extremely blessed in that area. Been blessed to take care of a lot of high-end athletes. We took care of the Mavericks, and, and, and um, you know, in the past, and a lot of uh, you know professional teams and stuff like that. Um, didn't start that way. <laughs> Did not want to be a doctor. I specifically remember telling my mother, "I don't know why anyone would want to be a physician. They go to school for way too long." But um, you know, as God would have it, man, I went to college. Um, I was afraid I was going to fail college, so. Um, the fear of failure drove me to study more than I ever had in high school. And I did better in my first semester in college than I'd done ever in high school. Hmm. And it was the first glimpse of really being able to see potential in myself in an area that I had not done really well in. I wasn't bad in high school as a, as a, um, you know, as a student athlete, but I did it because if I didn't, my parents wouldn't let me play basketball. <laughs> so it was a completely different motivation, right? Now I got to go to college because I didn't want to stay home. I didn't I wasn't ready to enter the workforce. I went to college and I knew I had to do well, but I didn't have the confidence. I literally did not think I, think I was going to pass the first semester. Studied mm-hmm. so hard that I did. I remember using a lot of the same principles my brother taught me and what I learned in basketball and just applied it to that. So. Now I'm thinking, man, I get some confidence academically. I'm like, man, I might be able to actually do this, right? My brother was a nurse at the time. So when I would come home to Houston, I said, I need a job. He got me a job working in the hospital. It's kind of like an orderly. I would, I would draw blood, you know, do uh, patient transport. <clears throat> and during my time there, uh, I had some doctors who mentored me, who I really looked up to just as people. And at this time, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And they really started, you know, saying, you know what? You can do this if you really wanted to. You can be a physician. I remember thinking, wow, I mean, how cool would it be to really marry my passion for sports and the desire to help people, which for me, that was a big, that was a big thought helping people, but I limited it to medicine. (laughs) So I was like, oh, this is like the only way you really help. This is like the only and biggest way you can help people. You know, it was very naive then, but So uh, my brother and I actually at the same time decided to go to med school, him 12 years older than me as a nurse, me 12 years younger than him as a, you know, undergrad. And uh, we started studying, man. And uh, through the grace of God, man, I got in, got in here at UT Southwestern here in Dallas, fantastic school. And then, uh, you know, became a physician. Um, We moved to Atlanta. So I got accepted into Emory school of medicine and, I mean I I'll tell you Philip again it, there was no smart I don't really believe in people being smart or or intelligent I think people might maybe acquire knowledge faster and they are better learners than other people but I just worked hard dude I mean I, it, that's really what it was I just really mm. worked hard I put a lot of work ethic in made it and then when I was a resident I wanted to uh you know I wanted to still do sports and I didn't want to carry a pager, so I was like, you know, I can I can be an ER physician, which is what I did my residency in, and do some extra fellowship training in sports medicine, and did that, and then came down here, man, and and, and everything worked out. That's a whole nother story, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, that's that's really how at least the path got started to to being where I am now.
1: Got it. And 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 this is another random thought, but man, I bet LeBron James. Uh, you know, sports medicine physician gets paid some money, man. Because you look <laughs> at that, you look at that guy, you're like, man, like sell me whatever he's doing. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: He puts a lot of money into his body too, which is the reason why he's you know perform. One of the reasons why he performs at such a high level. Hmm. Yeah.
1: And 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 do do you do you see um with the whole you know. Sports thing going younger and younger. Do you see people getting more involved in um, spending money for, you know, for sports medicine earlier? Uh, um, you, you mean,
0: like, based on what LeBron is doing and really kind of investing in his body and stuff like that? or
1: Yeah, like, like, and I mean, like, even, like, do you see it in high school and college, like, you know, sc- schools and kids spending money to, you know, maintain their bodies better, you know, have it last longer? I know it's happening in the pros.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you this, you know, it's getting more and more serious the younger the athlete is in terms of participation in sports, right? Mm -hmm. So we're unfortunately seeing more injuries because people are getting funneled into one sport too early. Mm. So, you know, it's the baseball athlete that instead of playing baseball during baseball season, football during football season, basketball during basketball season, which is kind of what we did. They're playing baseball year round. Mm. So, or the soccer player that's playing soccer year round, or because they're getting funneled into one thing too early. And so it's all about exposure. The more you run, the more likelihood that something's going to happen. The more chances you have of being in a situation to be injured, the more likelihood that you will be. So they're just being exposed early and more often. So we are seeing that, um, I'd probably say there's a little bit of a push with stuff like you know maybe different technology people have seen around like crowd therapy and you know sports massage and stuff like that. But I don't think it's I don't think it's caught up. And if you were to ask me, probably what's more of an issue, it's the fact that they're getting started earlier.
1: More okay. So, mm-hmm. so peak performance, right? So I know you're big on that. Uh, talk more about what that means. Yeah. And, and, and you know just what that means to you and.
0: Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, outside of my practice, outside of my medical practice, also uh, I'm a peak performance coach and, and I, I help, really I focus on driven, successful professionals, uh, achieve higher levels of both success and fulfillment. So I really delineate that and stand to, to really achieve both at the same time. Because to me, uh, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. It's kind of like, I love that line of what Tony Robbins says, but but I do all that so that people can live the best version of them quickly. The reason why this even came up is because I got to a, at a point in my career as a professional, as a physician working both as an ER doctor, sports medicine doctor, I was running a very successful home-based business where I was still, I was successful, but I was still unfulfilled, Philip And I was trying to figure out why am I feeling like this? Uh, I went after this goal, I achieved it, but I'm still feeling like something's missing. And there were two things I was dealing with. One was I was feeling unfulfilled. And the other was I really wasn't performing at the level that I knew I could. Outside looking in, people probably looked at me like, man, this guy's crushing it in life, right? But I think we all at least, yes, we may measure ourselves comparable to other people. But at the end of the day, we look in the mirror every single night, Mm-hmm. And I knew there was another level, dude. And I knew there were things that were stopping me and inhibiting me from really doing that. And so long story short, I ran on a journey to figure out why in the heck am I feeling like this. Uh, really figured out that in order to, to really live what I call an elite level, peak level lifestyle, which is being successful and genuinely fulfilled, is you got to be fulfilled within and you got to be fulfilled first. And that means you got to know what your purpose is. And in order to really perform at a peak level, man, and I, I define it more as just your entire life, you know, you're personally responsible for your health, your career, your purpose, you know, your spirituality, your relationships with other people. And so all these areas to really to maximize each of those. I'm not saying being an expert at each of those, right. but to at least be responsible and personally responsible and doing the things that you know that you could do and should do at that level. That's peak performance, and you got to know your purpose. you got to know why you're doing it, and you've got to have a vision for what it is that you want. I honestly believe most people don't ask themselves, what do I want? Hmm. They're reacting so much to life, to work, and everything that they're so focused on the circumstances that are out there that they've never stopped to think, what do I want? How do I want my life to look? And until you start asking those questions, you'll continue to to fall into the vicious cycle of really mm-hmm. reacting to life instead of being proactive and going after what it is that you want. Not in a selfish manner, but the reality is, uh, Philip, you you and I both know if I'm not the best version of me, I can't deliver as a father. I mm-hmm. can't deliver as a business person. You can't deliver, you know, great content like you do as a you know financial professional. So. Yes, to some degree, you do have to be a little bit selfish so that you can take care of you, but more importantly, so that others around you can be exposed to the best version of you and you help them, you know, the best way possible. So, you know, this is a whole program that I built to help people be able to do that, man. And I'll tell you, I have an absolute passion for doing it and also combining that with, you know, helping my patients get better which has been really cool, so. yes, yeah,
1: I will going say, because you get to help him with mind, body, and spirit. I mean, you're like the ultimate healer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't say that, man, but I, I, I tell you, it, it, you know, again, and I say this constantly, but through the grace of God, and and I, it's only because he works through me while I'm able to do, you know, much of what I've, I'm, I'm, I've done and will hopefully be able to do in the future, but that's if someone were to ask me, "What's my passion?" It's one word: it's transformation, man. It's it's really to be able to get someone from one place to another, and empowering them, you know, with whatever value that I can, whether that's getting you better as a physician. Uh, or getting better, you know, with mindset and, and, and performance. I want every time somebody has an interaction with me to say, you know, my life's a little better. My job here is to, you know, when I interact with you, say, you know, what things are a little better today because I was with Dr. Brad, or, mm-hmm. and the listeners, the same thing. That's my whole goal. And at this point, man, it's not about me; it's for you know, it's for other people, man. So. so,
1: so, so I know, I know when you said um, you got to find purpose. I know somebody's listening, probably is like. Yeah, that's easy to say, but how do I find my purpose, right? So, how do you, you know? How, how does somebody who doesn't know what their purpose is, how do they find it?
0: Man, that's great, great question. Um, you know, and if you're taking notes, I suggest you really. If you're not taking notes and you want to find your purpose, I suggest you take notes. So, I agree. I don't think it's the easiest thing, but you'll never find it if you don't sit and ask yourself the question. You know, a lot of people are like, oh man, yeah, I want to find my purpose, but they've really got to ask themselves: Have I really sat down? and ask myself, what is my purpose? Once you've done that, that's the first step. You gotta be very intentional about asking yourself the question. Um, After that, you then need to figure out a few things. Well, you need to figure out your gifts. And everyone's got gifts, I don't care who you are. I've talked to people, I don't have gifts, no. Most people hide behind the fact that they don't want to Uh, reveal their gifts because they feel like other people may not see the value in it as much as they do. So there might be some shame in that, but look, you got gifts. And so you're going to have to eliminate that thought and just be very open and honest with yourself in that. What are some of the things that you do that other people say, man, you're really good at that? Or you know, that people stop you and say, you know what, I noticed you did such and such. How did you do that, right? Oftentimes other people will see that stuff in us before we will sometimes, but but we know. We know, Philip. we we hide behind the I don't know because it's easy to not address it because here's the problem, when we address it, we then have to do something about it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? We gotta do something about it. So address it, you know what the gift is, write it down. Write down what your talents are, things that you've done and been successful at before in the past. And then for me, uh, a big thing, a big step is your past experiences. Write down your past experiences. What are, what are things that emotionally drew something out of you that you would either want to teach someone else or you would hate for someone else to experience because you experienced it? And maybe you had a learning thing out of it. But like, what are some of your past experiences do? Because sometimes in our deepest pain or deepest emotional states in life, excuse me, is when we find uh, you know, some purpose. So, um, so yeah, do that, man. And, and then that'll, that's a, that right there is a great start because then at that point you say, you know what, I need to use my gifts and my talents fueled by my past experiences to provide value to someone. So if you, that is my definition of purpose. That's what I wrote in my book. It is literally your gifts and talents fueled by your past experiences that will allow you to provide uh, value and and serve others. That's you cannot have purpose without service to other people. And you do that your best with the gifts that you've been given. What's the name of your book? The name of the book is called Elite, A Modern Success Guide to Purpose and Peak Performance. So uh, just launched it in January. Again, through the grace of God, became an Amazon bestseller, so uh, it's doing great for anybody who's really looking to find their purpose and peak performance. I talk a lot more about it in the book. You can definitely get that on, on Amazon, and uh, and I've got a website as well. So,
1: yeah, I, I have to get one. So, what what I also find, and you probably find this too, um, there are so many people who are what I call like frozen in fear, right? So, so there'll be people that. You know they're not making the money they they want to make, and aren't doing anything about it and complaining, or uh, you know are depressed, Um, a lot of different reasons. And when I when I think about it, you know I'm always thinking about how can I you know how can I empathize with what they're going on so maybe I can provide you know some value to them. Sure, it's boiled down to lack of confidence of. Um, you know, lack of confidence, because in order to get where they want to go, you got to take some risks. But yep. Before you take risks, you got to have the confidence to take the risk. But yeah. is that something that you think through? And if so, uh, do you agree? And then if so, how do you help people break through that fear of, you know, like felt, you know, quote unquote failure or looking right. dumb or other people ridiculing you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, everything that we do, Philip, whether it is, uh something that most folks see as, you know, great or successful or the things that we don't do. Every decision we make in life is really driven by our beliefs. It's what you believe. If, if, if you believe in something strong enough, you'll tell other people about it. If you believe, uh, that, you know, you, you're not going to lose the way you want. I mean, it's, you won't do that. And so our actions really what we're talking about taking action, right? Um, our actions that we want to have happen in our life to create the things that we won't won't happen if our beliefs aren't changed so people are oftentimes trying to change that external stuff like man you know what? i just want to get started i just want to get started i fear this that and the other and i get it because i've had to and it's not that i don't have fear philip or that you don't have fear right it's that how do we manage it you know i'm not fearless man i'm not some superhero nor are you you know what i'm saying we're human. We all have fear. But the question is, how do you how do you, number one, recognize it, acknowledge it? And then what are you going to do with it when it comes? What are you going to do when fear comes to the door? Are you going to open the door and let it in and let it start dominating the, the inside of your home, inside of your mind? Or are you going to let that fear come to the door and be like, ah, not today? You know what I'm saying? I know that you're here, but I'm still going to do what I got to do. So it's all about a belief, man. You've got to really work on believing something different in order for actions to be lasting and sustainable enough to see change. Um, How do you do that? You know, (laughs) again, you know, I'm a man of faith. So, you know, I, I I tell people pray, man. It was one of my biggest things, one of the biggest ways that, that, that I learned how to perform at a high level. Um, It wasn't until I started understanding my relationship with God much more, not saying I know everything, but my relationship with him, I understand much better. So, you know, the power of prayer, I think, is great. But when you take that into account, really what that is, is prayer is nothing more than a system of get, having more belief. That's what the Bible is. The Bible is probably the biggest belief book we got. So you've got to believe in yourself to be able to move past the fear, not so that you don't have fear. You will always have fear and be clear on that. <laughs> what are you going to do when it comes to the door? Are you going to let it in or are you going to keep on moving, man? So, yeah, I, and, and I get it, man. People are stuck. People, you know, people are stuck in the past. I completely get it, but you can't have fear and faith at the same time. You, you, you can't complain about things not being where they want to be and you still not taking action. So f- for me, I don't mind somebody saying, you know what, I'm, I'm fearful about taking this step, I don't know what people are going to think about me. You know, fear comes in different ways. What are people going to think? Uh, fear of failure, um, you know, uh, fear of a lot of different stuff. But if you believe enough, again, it goes back to belief. If you believe enough, then you'll believe that you'll succeed despite the fear that's there. Let me talk about fear of failure real quick, man. I, I, really, I, I don't believe there is such a thing as failure. I just think that there's lessons. Hmm. Once you see life like that, then you'll start to understand that life is more about improvement than it is, um, you know, perfection. It's more about progressing through life, not trying to perfect life. So we're our own worst critic, man. We'll, we'll do something fantastic. Man, I, you know, I'm even guilty of it. You know, I'll, I've been on this quest to work out a whole bunch and, you know, I'll set a goal to maybe lose, let's just say, you know, to lose uh, 10 pounds in a month. I lose five and I'm sitting here like, man, I didn't hit my goal. And I'm sad. I lost five pounds, Philip. Right, right, <laughs> like right. why don't we focus on that to help us move, you know, move forward again. But again, it goes back to the thoughts and seeing these thoughts come and say, no, not today, man.
1: Yeah, no, no. Yeah. You're right, man. I think, I think, uh, and I'm glad you said there is no failure. Cause it, you know how, like when you're in your twenties, you're an unconscious competent, you know, and then, and and I'm, I'm, I'm about to be 35 and I'm, I'm just starting to get comfortable with like uh, who I am and how I do things. You know what I'm saying? Like I've I've always been relatively confident. I don't know if I've I don't know if I've always noticed that. Um, but one thing I I have noticed is, you know, I was I was never afraid to take risks, right? You know, e- e- even down to people say, "Oh no, you know, you're you're blessed to get into uh, the profession you wanted." Uh, before you graduated college i was like yeah but which i didn't see was like i ran a business and failed it in college like i literally wrote a list of the 10 things i wanted to do and then i just checked them off and i was like bad at a bunch of different stuff you know i applied at the bank i couldn't count money fast enough so that didn't you know like i just tried a bunch of different stuff and i've never been afraid to try and i didn't i didn't now link it to just the confidence that really you know my parents instilled into me and i'm like you said man confidence is just such a big deal because like you said i don't I didn't see it as failure. I just saw it as, Hey, let me just move through this to see if I'm good or I'm not at it. And if I'm not good at it, it didn't affect my ego. It was like, Hey man, I'm just not good at that. I only got to be good at a couple different things to like win in life.
0: Right. Right. And, and, and for me, I've, I've looked at it like, look, I've always said, man, if somebody else has done this, then it's possible. All I needed to know is that it was possible. And at the, and over time I'll figure it out. Like, so really having a sense of figuring it out. And I mean, I'll be honest, I mean, I've, there's times where I did feel like a failure. I'm like, dude, I've, I've failed tremendously. But again, it's those times when you got to get back up. Just got to be like, you know what? I I got to move. Not only is there a fear of failure, but really it's a fear of making mistakes. So when people are looking to take action on something new or whatever, there's a fear that they will make a mistake. And what I try to convince them of is this is, Okay, I get it, and you're right. You will make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you you will be mistake-free. So once you can understand and embrace, you know what, I'm going to make mistakes. And you may make mistakes straight out the gate. You know, have you ever seen someone maybe in the same field that you do, they came out the gates hot and mm-hmm. just was blasting it. You're like, oh, my gosh, how are they doing And You seem to be struggling just to get the first client or to get the first whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then when they hit adversity, Thank you cool. don't see them. Mm-hmm. Don't see them anymore. <laughs> you know, so I look back now and I'm like, you know what? I'm glad it was difficult in the beginning because once I hit my stride, I was like, psh, you know, the mistakes I made all up at the front. You know, we we all want it yesterday. You know, we want the success yesterday. We want the achievements and the accomplishments, you know, today. I get it. But as you start to look back on it, man, it's like, dude. I would take the mistakes all up front the whole nine so that once I hit my stride, I'm good to go. Um, so it's those mistakes, man. The mistakes you gotta look at as learning points. Um, you're gonna make mistakes. Look at the improvements. Don't look at, don't beat yourself up over the time whenever you didn't hit a goal that you did. Or maybe you you, you didn't even get close to the goal, but the question <laughs> is what did I learn Yeah. To move forward? Dude, you can't, there's no way the cost of success is through mistakes,
1: hey, hey, man. And, and, and we're gonna go to another point, but I want to you—you hit on the nail and it, I know you're pretty competitive, right? So yeah. I think I can—I can sense a competitor because I'm one.
0: Yeah, just a little Are, bit.
1: Yeah, aren't <laughs> aren't you at a point now to where you almost know that when when you're doing something and you want to win, you're like ah, you like embrace the mistakes. You almost like love the mistakes now because you know. The more more mistakes you're willing to go through, the more likely you're going to beat other people because, you know, their biggest exposure is the mistakes, right? You're like, hey, I'm going to do what probably requires the biggest and hardest mistakes because I know that's the key to, you know, victory.
0: And I'd rather get them out the way early, man. I mean, it's funny. I know uh, part of my team thinks I'm weird, but, you know, I'm launching the book and some other stuff. And so I've got some Facebook ads that are going out. And, um, you know, we test these ads before they, they start going out. And <laughs> we had one ad dude that was just doing absolutely horrible. <laughs> and we had our weekly meeting and I called them and I was like, guys, I'm excited. They were like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm excited to talk about this ad that we were going And they were like, what's going on? I was like, look, here's the deal. We've obviously identified that this thing's not working but i am actually excited to figure out why i'm actually excited to figure out why is it not working fixing it and maybe you can call it the doctor in me but i, I told him i said look it's all about diagnosing why because i know there are some good things there but let's diagnose why implement a little something new and see what happens and so i was excited dude that that it, it, it was excuse me it was bombing like <laughs> I was. Just, I was like, guys, let me tell you why. And I know they probably thought I was weird, but that's also, you know, it's like, how are you gonna, how are you gonna take these things that happen, man? I mean, if you're, if you take every loss as just the worst thing in the world, man, you'll be too stressed. You won't, you won't have the energy to move forward, dude. You know, yeah. you, you, know, you, gotta take it in stride. Now, again, you know what's funny, Philip? It's easier for me to say this stuff now because I can remember stressing out over stuff in the past. But if there's anything I can tell people who are getting something started or or afraid to get started look just go go move move now because if you think about a gps um the only way you know you know they're afraid of making mistakes i get that people are afraid of making mistakes but you have to course correct so if you think about like a GPS and you put in the GPS where you're trying to go, it will immediately tell you where you are and then kind of like the path to get there, right? But if you're like at a red light, you don't know whether you have to go right, left, like you, have you ever been there? Like you're in the car and then like you start going left and you're like, and it's like rerouting, you're like, oh, <laughs> like, and then you turn around and like, I was supposed to go that way. That's all it is. That's all we're talking about doing. The death- Destination is wherever you're trying to go, whatever you're trying to do, and you need to move first though, because if you don't move, you won't know what direction to go. Mm-hmm. Now, you might move straight, and then you're like, okay, I'm going the right direction, but you might turn right, and it's gonna, and then you'll figure out real soon, hey, it's time to reroute. Yeah, and You just rerun, you course correct, and but that's okay. The cost of, again, the cost of success is, is making some mistakes, and I'm okay paying mistakes so that I can get what I got to get.
1: That, that's a good one before before we went on on air you you shared with me and and we met before and talked about this you know how how good of a saver you are how you're able to pay off you know your med school bills or or, or not have med school debt and i know you don't have medical school debt which is like unheard of for somebody your age uh right. in this far out of medical school and and so what i want to ask you and this will be specifically for maybe doctors attorneys or anybody else listening who um, are in what I call pretentious occupations, you know, yeah, like, I love it. Yeah. Cause, cause mom is one too. Right. And it's a lot of them that feel like, Hey man, I have, you know, because I'm here, people expect me to, to live like this and it traps them financially like forever. So how did you wrap your mind around that early, um, to be able to live such a hum- you know modest lifestyle relative to what you make?
0: Yeah, man. So, um, you know, I'm 38 people are probably wondering like, how old is this guy? So I'm 38 years old. Uh, I had about $180,000 of, uh, you know, all med school debt, which is, which is gone. Um, you know, there's a book that I read. There's really two books. If you combine these books together that helped me do this. First of all, I had no financial experience. I didn't know how to save money. Matter of fact, I was horrible with money when I was, uh, in college. And um, my now wife, then girlfriend, used to just rag on me. I mean, it, dude, I would I would work. I worked as a waiter, and I was spending all my money, dude. I mean, as soon as I got a check, I was spending. Me too. And um, you know, now here's the deal. You know, through the grace of God, again, my wife has stayed with me. <laughs> but, but back then, she was like, "You ain't got no money for me." we got to go out and we can't even go to the movies because you went and bought some polo jeans and a shirt. Great. <laughs> you look good with those two things that you bought, but I'm sitting here and to do something. So I was like, okay. so really kind of start listening to her. She kind of started telling me like where to shop, how to shop, all this stuff. I was like, okay, cool. But I got to medical school and her and I got married. So I had to change my, my spending habits but something very pivotal happened when I was in med school. My fourth year of medical school, dude, I remember like it was yesterday. I was taking a radiology course, and the professor stood up. It's one of those key points, and I know everybody has these little key points that happens in life, but for me financially, this was a key time that I remember. He stood up. It was first day of radiology rotation, and he says, guys, we're going to learn nothing about film today. He says, the reason why I teach you here is because I'm completely financially independent. And I remember when he, when, he, when he yoked those two words together, I was like, what is financially independent? Had no idea what it meant. And I was 26, okay? Um, 26, almost 27. And he said, the reason I come and teach is because I enjoy doing it. The school pays me a check, but I don't need that check to live. So if you want to know how I did this, I have Xerox copied the front cover of several books that I have read that have helped me get here. So he had those stapled together. I mean, it was literally just Xerox copied of the front of books. It wasn't the books themselves. So he had them stapled together. He passed them all out. He's like, I'm not going to really talk about this again throughout the rest of this rotation, but this is the end of day one of radiology conference. You may go home. Hmm. The first book, Oh, man, it's in my library of this. I'm not going to get up from the video, but the first book on that front cover was a book called The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas Stanley. I know you know it well. That's a good one. I read that book that month because I was so intrigued with the two words, financial independence. Um, I read that book from start to finish, and it was funny because I was more interested in that book than I was any medical book that I was reading throughout my entire four years of of, uh, of medical school. We started applying the principles of those book book of that book over time, and we found ourselves in a situation. Basically, about six years after medical school, uh, where we had, we were able to eliminate all of that debt simply with one living below our means, and two paying ourselves first, which basically means you know we save first. And then I started taking it to next level. I was like, what if we saved more? So, you know, you'll you'll hear a lot of people say, you know, save 10%, tie 10%. So I said, I started saying, what if we save 20? What if we save 30? So, you know, we work with about 60% of our income and that's really what it comes down to. That's, and that's how I see what we have to work with. The other stuff goes to savings goes to so whatever else. Now, what that has now allowed us to do is have the opportunity to do a little more, a little more investing and stuff now, which is cool. But I don't even really talk about any of that because what really changed our life was the principles that we learned in that book. And, um, you know, you fast forward now, I mean, it's funny because when we moved out here to, to our first home in Prosper, that, that book teaches you how to buy your first, your first home, right? <laughs> so we, we apply those principles and I even went an extreme with it and we, we got a nice house and so forth, but I wasn't using the entire top floor of our home. I told my wife, I said, why don't we just downsize? Like I know we bought the home, like we said here, I was like, what if we downsize and saved even more? <laughs> so, I'll be honest, Philip, you know, I, again, complete transparency here. I in a 21 square foot home out here in Prosper, 2,100 square feet, me and my wife, three kids, very modest. I drive a uh, Honda Accord, you know, Uh, my wife drives a Mitsubishi Outlander, which is completely paid for. The, the, you know, I've done some work in the um, network marketing industry. So, you know, with the business that I build, it pays for my Honda Accord every month. So, um, you know, it's... I mean, that's that's how we live, man. I mean, I you know, I, I shop at Old Navy. <laughs> I just came back from Ross a couple of days ago, got some shoes. I mean, I I'm probably to the extreme, but I've also got goals, man. Like you said, I'm competitive, so I just take things to the next level. But that's really what's helped us out, man.
1: Oh man, no, that's that's good, man. That those those are the hardest two parts, man. And you've and you have mastered them, man. And so um and I know I know we booked an hour. Um, we got ten more minutes, and I have the last five questions that I ask everybody, which which uh, won't take much time, but I want to be respectful of your time. Sure. Um, so 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 we'll so we'll move there. So the first question you already you already answered the book question, but if you can go back and talk to twenty two year old Brad, <laughs> what, what what would you go tell him, Philip?
0: You know, the twenty two year old me man was hard headed, thought he knew it all. So, um, hopefully that's not you, but, um, you know, man, I would, I would, you know, the biggest thing I would say, man, is listen, listen to people who have what you want. I mean, uh, listen to people who, yeah, listen to people who have what you want. If you're looking to be wealthy, listen to someone who's wealthy. If you, if you're looking to, uh, you know, be a doctor, find someone who's a doctor, who's, who's who you want to be like, and just start listening, man. Start following them um, for free. <laughs> hmm. Just do it. Just go find a mentor because so many people try to do this on their own. They try to do stuff, dude. Now, anything I'm trying to do in life, Philip, I find someone who's done it already, number one. And if they didn't taught someone, how to do it too. I'm all in. Hmm. You know, I've got a business coach, man. I don't, I didn't write that book. You know, I mean, it's my words, but he showed me how to do it. I did it. And then it happened. You know what I'm saying? If I try to do that on my own, I'd still be talking about a book that I would have written, you know, that I'm going to write may not even be there. So, you know, find someone and and that means you got to ask the question, what do I want? Again, it goes back to that. Like, what do I want? And it changes. That's okay. There's seasons there's seasons. I didn't know I was going to be doing this, building, you know, building a complete another brand outside of my practice, but still, you know, kind of like we were talking about before here, complementing my practice with the coaching and speaking and writing. Like, I know that, but there'll be different seasons, but in terms of what you want now go find someone that is currently doing what you want is successful at it and listen to them and just ask them questions and buy them lunch, (laughs) save you some money and that'll be the best 20 bucks you spend on lunch for you and that person that you could ever do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not right, good. One, good one. Where, this is my consumer, uh, research questions I'm going to now. So where do you get your news and information? What I mean specifically, like, is it email newsletters online? Do you read magazines and newspapers? How do, how do you get your, uh, uh, you know, I'm in the
0: car a decent amount for, for my commute sometimes. So I listen to podcasts. Um, I do get email newsletters. I get your newsletter, <laughs> uh, you know. So for the people who I admire and listen to, I, I get those. You know, I get I get those newsletters, um, and I listen to them. It's all about who you listen to, right? I really don't. You know what, Philip? I don't watch a lot of news at all, dude. I I actually avoid the news as much as I possibly can. And people are mm-hmm. like you didn't hear about this, that, and the other. I'm like, well, I just heard about it from you. So, so, so <laughs> y'all don't keep me up to date if this place is going crazy, you know? Uh-huh.
1: So. Yeah, no, good, good. What about whenever, whenever you do get uh, some downtime, which I'm sure is not a ton, and you yeah, want to yeah. shut the brain off and be entertained, what are some specific, you know, shows or movies that, that you w- watch?
0: So big sports guy. So, um, yes, my binge is SportsCenter. Okay. Um that's where I catch up on all my good sports stuff. Uh and then the good thing about that is it kind of kills two birds with one stone cuz you know we've got the um the Inside Sports Medicine Radio talk show on, on Saturday so we so we so I need to stay current. That's my excuse. I'm like I'm staying current on on the sports sports medicine stuff that we're going to talk about on Saturday so I you know I listen to the to Sports Center so I have something to talk about on ESPN Radio but um no, so I do that, and then, dude, I'm a nerd. Dude, I love Marvel and DC Comics. So I'm kind of mad at myself that I haven't seen Captain Marvel yet, but it's, it's it's coming.
1: Hey, it was good. It was good. What so? What What do you think about like DC, man? Don't you feel like they're like dropping the ball? I mean, they dropped the ball clearly on the movies, but yes. now on like the the t- the I found myself since they want to put themselves on CW and only release the um, episodes weekly. Yeah. I've lost interest. I'm like, I'm just going to wait until it goes on Netflix. Like, are you doing the same thing? Or are you? No, no.
0: So I've watched the movie. So like Infinity War. I mean, well, that's Marvel. But yeah. like, you know, Aquaman and, and stuff. I feel like they did Justice League backwards. They should have put Aquaman out before Justice League. Uh-huh. You know, Marvel has really set the standard. And unfortunately, they're trying to keep up with Marvel, man. So, and Marvel has just dominated. So.
1: Yeah. They're killing the game.
0: But yeah, but so if it's a movie out there, dude, yes. And then I'm a huge Denzel Washington fan, so I gotta go watch his movies. I gotta stop what I'm doing and watch a Denzel movie whenever it comes out. So yeah, well,
1: no, good, good. And then uh last question is um um actually I think no, yeah, here it is. The the brand question. So if what are the companies you spend money with uh and you feel good about spending the money there and your top three. So these are the three companies where you're like, hey, I give them my money, but I feel real good about it.
0: Um, we talked about one company, Apple. I've been very happy with Apple. It, you know, and a lot of people say, oh man, I got this, that, You know, stuff might, um, you know, maybe their phone might not work or something like that. I mean, I, I think they've had good customer support every time I've had to deal with them. I'm doing this on a Mac computer, <laughs> you know, so I'm 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 happy with them. Um any coaching that i feel like i found the right person like um so any type of coaching where i'm like okay i was looking for this person this person does that i've vetted them i've talked to them i think they're the right fit for me anytime i can do that is good and then do books i mean I, I don't know if i'm necessarily investing in companies so much as i'm just completely investing in myself with different things that's allowing me to provide you know value uh, Cause, quite honestly, right now, Philip, I mean, I'm I'm so frugal. I'm more, I, I I'm I'm more. Uh, how can I say? Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm more devoted and connected to the price and the value mm-hmm. shopping around than I am an actual company. Yeah. Uh. So, but yeah, man, things that I, I probably spend my most money, the most of my money on, to be honest with you, would be. Uh, personal growth and development okay. so, so, and, and, and mindset and then whatever I got to do to build
1: a business. So, okay. And your books, so you just buy your books wherever or do you have a, do you have a consistent place where you're buying those books?
0: Um, I'm buying those books online on Amazon and oftentimes on Kindle. So um mm-hmm. I'm reading a great book right now called becoming supernatural. Man. Fantastic.
1: Supernatural. Yep. Okay. I was going to ask you for one more because you already gave one, Millionaire Next Door, Becoming Supernatural. What's, what's one more good book?
0: Uh, there's a book that changed my life. So this book right now, Becoming Supernatural, is changing my life. Uh, but um, there's a book called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself hmm. by uh, Shad Hempsteader. S-H-A-D Hempsteader. So um, fantastic book, man. Just really gets the mind
1: right. So All right. Well, man, I appreciate you. I feel like I, I I've been saying this the last few episodes. I'm gonna have to do it again because uh, we didn't even scratch the surface on what I wanted to ask you about. But I appreciate your time um, and and you you know being on. So thanks.
0: Yeah, man. Hey, Philip, dude. I Look, first of all, it's good catching up, brother. Like, <laughs> in a minute, we're gonna have to get the families together, man. Or maybe to catch it, you know, catch up at a at a UTSA uh, game or something like that, man. But look, I appreciate you reaching out again. I hope I provided some value for some folks out there. And if, Anybody's looking for me, you can find me at Dr. Brad M.D. That's D-R-B-R-A-D-M-D. Follow me on all the, you know, Instagram, you know, social media, all that stuff. And uh, and uh, if you want to catch up with me, you can send me a, a DM. So
1: All right. Um, appreciate you, man.